1: It is indeed, the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you, and thank you so much for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes now after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 28th morning of the 11th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Very, very important show coming up today. A couple of very important people to talk to. At 935, about a half an hour from now, I will welcome Ryan Morrow back to our show, National Security Analyst from the Clarion Project. He's going to tell you a story. Well, a couple of different stories, but one story, which is, uh, may just kind of blow your mind. It did mine when I read there is an unholy alliance of sorts between the Church of Scientology, which of course is that cult which uh, has roped in uh, a pretty extraordinary number, frankly, of celebrities and uh, some of the world's wealthiest, um, and they in turn have roped in a whole bunch of people who aren't so wealthy and forced them to give up pretty much everything that they have. Uh, At any rate, the Church of Scientology and its unholy alliance with the Nation of Islam, not Islam writ large, like, you know, the world religion, the Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan's version of Islam. Uh, they actually partner with one another in, um, like I said, an unholy anti-Semitism and more that Ryan Moore is going to tell us about at 935. I think you're going to find that very, very interesting. Also... Going to be talking with David Ray, Federation for American Immigration Reform. David, of course, uh, with FAIR, is at the border right now. We told you about this on Monday. We told you about this on Tuesday. David and several of his colleagues with FAIR are at the border, down at the San Ysidro Port of Entry, where all of the hostilities uh, have taken place. And more importantly, where more and more of the caravan migrants, the caravan invaders, if you will, uh, are assembling. I was watching TV this morning as busloads and truckloads, more of the migrants, are uh, being dropped off there at uh, in Tijuana. The people in Tijuana, by the way, are in desperate straits right now. They're in a really, really bad place. It is costing them so much money to house these people, even in tents uh, where they are, but to feed them and so on. Uh, it is costing some $30,000 a day to a pretty doggone poor city in Mexico. And they are in a very, very bad place right now. These people all have needs, and they are trying to offer them everything they can. Meanwhile, many of the uh, quote-unquote migrants, again, I'll refer to them as invaders or the asylum liars, um, they are getting tired of waiting and are considering a rush to the border again. They did it with 500 strong on Sunday, which of course led to the much uh, discussed pepper spray and tear gas usage down there at the border. Um, at least one of them is on camera saying, we're, we're, we're going to wait until all 5,000 of us arrive now and we're going to make another rush and we're going to do it again. I, I don't know what the president is prepared to do. I don't know what border security is prepared to do. But there's an old adage, an old saying um you really shouldn't wait for somebody to tell you who they are uh, too many times before you believe them. I believe them. If this is what they say they're going to do, I believe it's what they're going to do, and we doggone well better prepare. One of the things that we have to do to prepare for this asylum rush, well, actually, we're, let me redo that, this invasion. One of the things we have to do is try to head it off before it ever begins. We don't want to get into more tear gas pepper spray. And by the way, that story, again, continues to be ignored by the mainstream media. The idea that pepper spray is a new invention and that tear gas is a new uh, use, a new tactic used to try to disperse unruly, dangerous, violent mobs. And that's what this was on Sunday. Unruly, dangerous, and violent as they threw projectiles at uh, border agents. Um, to, to, to suggest that this is new is just fake news. And that's what the left, of course, is perpetrating and practicing is fake news. The truth of the matter is, uh, I saw numbers this morning where not on CBS, not on Good Morning America, not on CNN, but on Fox News. They, they actually listed what I did yesterday on this program and that is 26 uses of tear gas at the border by Barack Obama in 2013. 28 or 29, I because I, I, I saw it on screen, I didn't memorize them, but I knew the numbers in, in, in part, uh, in 2014. Uh, t- uh, dropped to 13, no, 15 uses of tear gas at the border in 2015, and then down to 8 in 2016. But the point is, many, 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 many times, tear gas has been used to try to stop people from rushing that border. And rushing our ports of entry, and not a peep from the left, which is now savaging Donald Trump as being some sort of—I saw a, a political cartoon today, the uh, you know the uh, editorial cartoon. This one was not in the Plain Dealer. This one was in the. Um, well, I don't want to give public—I don't want to give publicity to the newspaper. Quite frankly, I'm not going—I'm not going to advertise for them, but uh, it's a local newspaper out in Lorraine County. And it shows a picture of the Statue of Liberty with Donald Trump's face as the statue, and instead of holding the torch, he is holding a canister of tear gas while he wears a gas mask, screaming into um, into the air. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses of mothers and children, yearning to breathe tear gas. This is this this is what we have. This this is this is who they are. Again, this after. A good 72 hours of conservative news, meaning accurate news, like the ones on this, the news on this program, the news on Fox, and so on and so forth, pointing out those uses of tear gas. They continue to make it seem as though this is Donald Trump's doing, and it has not been done before, and moreover, that he's targeting women and children. When women and children are few and far between, the hordes of men, adult men, who are actually the massive majority of this caravan of invaders, and they're the ones who are throwing the rocks and thus putting their women and children in danger of having something fired back at them, and in this case it was tear gas. So uh, we're going to talk about all of that and find out what is exactly going on down there at the border when David Ray joins us from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. As it pertains to the border wall, we spoke on Monday with Congressman Jordan, and we spoke about the extraordinary urgent need, excuse me, extraordinarily urgent need, uh, for the border wall funding to be included in any spending bill that is, uh, that is, uh, turned in and, uh, uh, proposed by the deadline of December 7th. The end of the day into business on December 7th. Government will shut down December 8th if they don't have this done. Uh, we need a border wall. And we know that the Democrats are opposed to it. And we know that rhino Republicans are not fighting for it, at least not hard enough which is, kind of explains why they elected uh, Kevin McCarthy to re- remain the leader in the House. He was the majority leader, now he'll be the minority leader. And Jim Jordan got, uh, what, about one-third of the votes. Because they don't care. But ha- having said all of that, a little bit of good news. Chuck Schumer has at least suggested that he would endorse or could endorse spending more than $1.6 billion on the border wall. Republicans, including the president, want $5 billion. President Trump has demanded $5 billion in border wall funding so they can really get some of this stuff done and get it underway. And not just talking about the lame fencing that we have with some razor wire at the top, talking about the impenetrable border walls that the president personally reviewed when he requested five prototypes be presented to him. He looked at them. He, he um, uh, evaluated them along with uh, some members of his team. And that was the end of it. We still haven't seen brick one laid uh, uh, with respect to those prototypes. We do have some, quote, border barriers that have gone up, and they have strengthened others with that razor wire, but no. He wants $5 billion, and he doggone well better get it. Now, the Democrats... Uh, are obviously opposed to this but Schumer said we are for bo- strong border security the 1.6 billion for border security negotiated by Democrats and Republicans is our position we believe that is the right way to go stick to the 1.6 billion we're not negotiating in the press this is our position but he did suggest what price he may demand in exchange for agreeing to the 5 billion that the president wants the political price might be legislation protecting the Mueller investigation of Trump a border wall amnesty for three million, uh, DACA illegal migrants. Now I'm going to stop there and say, whoa, 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 three million. We were told there were only about 700,000 DACA protected illegal immigrants still in this country. And the president offered to nearly triple that to 1.8, 1.8 8 million, uh, DACA aged illegal immigrants still in the country who did not apply for the program. Now they're going to say three or three million uh, illegal immigrants. We're told there were only eleven. I think that number is very, very low, by the way. I think the number is closer to 18. We've talked about why. But let's just suppose it is at 11. They're talking about one quarter of all of the illegals in this country being legalized in order to put up a border to stop a border fence, I should say, to stop more from coming in. And they may also ask for legislation that fast-tracks H-1B, middle-class outsourcing workers into citizenship, 200,000 of them. Um, so that's a that's an issue. But at least Schumer is saying we might be open to negotiation, to give you the votes in the Senate that you need to get that $5 billion border wall funding. We're going to ask for this, 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 and this. If those are accurate, um, we're going to have some conversations. I'm going to disagree wholeheartedly with a lot of it, But I am also going to be realistic now. The Republicans blew their chance. They held the House. They held the majority, although not 60, in the Senate. They couldn't even get border wall funding passed out of the House with Ryan and McCarthy in the leadership positions. They blew it. Soon, five weeks from now, a little less, Nancy Pelosi is going to be taking over at the beginning of January, and the Democrats will control the House, and there will be no proposals for border walls that will even be considered for a vote on the House floor. Forget about it. So, in other words, if we get even one-fifth of the money that we need to build the wall, it is estimated to need roughly $25 billion. If we were to get one-fifth of that, the $5 billion that the President wants outlaid in this particular spending bill, it's going to cost us dearly, in terms of DACA, in terms of uh, uh, H-1B uh, uh, visas, in terms of um, the Mueller investigation, potentially, etc. Cetera, et cetera. It's going to cost us dearly. All because our Republican leadership wasted the the full-on authority that they had as they held control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. They wasted it for the last two years, and that is a huge problem. So we're going to talk about all of that as we continue today as well. There's one good news on the border issue that I'll just throw out there, too. One piece of good news, rather. Um, there is conversation that is going on between the president and Mexican officials. We talked about this just ever so briefly on Monday. So it's not new news, but it's news that you need to understand a little bit more with a little bit more de- in-depth than, uh, than what I gave you on Monday. The Trump administration has won the support of Mexico's incoming government for a plan to make uh, remake U.S. border policy by requiring these asylum seekers to wait in Mexico while their claims move through the U.S. courts, according to Mexican officials and senior members of President-elect Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador's transition team. In other words, Obrador is willing to say, okay, you go ahead and listen to these people's claims, and then, of course, you have to let them go. Rather than the catch and release in the United States that was so popular under Obama, we'll let you keep them over here. We'll quote-unquote release them into the Mexican population. And then when it comes time for their hearing, uh, their their adjudication of their, their claim of asylum, which sometimes can take weeks, sometimes months, and sadly, sometimes even years, when their name is called, they will come to you from Mexico as opposed to you trying to track them down into the United States where they will not show because that's their end game. They're more likely to show if they're in Mexico, a place they don't want to stay. And they had come to the asylum hearing to, uh, to come into the United States. They're much more likely to show there than they are if they're in the United States already enjoying the benefits that they wanted, uh, while being there illegally. So there is a bit of an arrangement there, potentially, between the United States and Mexico that could alleviate a huge part of the problem with these caravan, of, this caravan or caravans of invaders. So we're going to discuss all of that as we continue as well. A lot of news to get today outside of the border wall. We're going to talk about fear and loathing of toys in the American left. Let me say that again. Fear, terrible fear, triggering because of toys. Going to tell you that story on the other side of this timeout. It's nine twenty. We'll check our traffic and uh, be right back with you on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. The answer. All right, it's nine twenty five now. The Bob Brands Authority. On AM 1420, The Answer. Again, Ryan Morgan will join me in about 10 minutes, and uh, we're going to talk about a number of things relative to national security and also about the strange marriage, or at least alliance, between, yes, the Church of Scientology and Louis Farrakhan's Nation of Islam. Very, very odd. We're going to let Ryan explain all of that. But I want to pivot just for a moment. Talk about Christmas toys, right? right. Uh Christmas is now, what to say, the 28th, so less than a month away. Uh and uh obviously you're shopping for your kids or Santa is at least doing some shopping for your kids. Do you remember Playmobil or Playmobil, uh the toy company that just makes all kinds of fun little toys for kids. They got uh, little, you know, police officer toys and construction worker toys and fireman toys and so on and so forth. Well, this is this is unbelievable. This tweet <clears throat> Series of tweets came from some liberal progressive beta male named Scott or Hetchinger. Rather, Hetchinger. Uh, he is uh, his bio describes him as a public defender, senior staff attorney, and director of policy at Brooklyn Defender Services. In other words, he's a defense attorney, and he said he tweets observations from the front lines of injustice, and he really has a particular disdain for police, especially police toys. He tweeted this yesterday, and to say that it has gotten a little bit of reaction. No, I take that back. This is from the 25th. It's just getting a lot of play right now. It's being retweeted by a lot of people for the wrong reasons for him. He tweeted a whole bunch of little kid toys, a little Playmobil. I mean, we're talking about the little tiny things that are about, if I had to guess, I'd say maybe half to three-quarters of an inch long, talking about the little pistols that the police officers carry, their little sidearms. Uh, then the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, flashlights, it's got the little handcuffs, it's got the little, uh, baton, the nightstick, um, it's got a rifle, you know, police tools that they use, right? That's kind of the whole point when you put a little tool a toy set together for police officers and for, you know, they got astronauts, they got Playmobil, uh, uh police prisons, uh, they got Playmobil, uh, they got even little inmates with little stripes, you know the striped uh, prison suits wearing handcuffs, and they got little uh, uh like I said, uh, a construction worker type things, I mean you know all kinds of different professions, and it's a great popular toy you know toy set for kids, and Christmas is coming, and maybe people are going to buy. Scott doesn't want you to do that, neither do apparently reading the comments, any of his liberal friends. Here's what he wrote with the picture of the uh, little um, kid's toy, the little uh, police officer and the police officer's tools, his equipment. Cache of weapons that came with my with Playmobil's police helicopter slash motorcycle given to my son by very well-meaning relatives. One gas mask, eek! Gas masks, three handguns. Oh my goodness, those could actually you know like shoot people. One machine gun. Technically, I don't know if it is. It's too. It's a little tiny piece of plastic. That one's probably about an inch and a half long, but it's kind of hard to see how defined it is. But okay, we'll call it a rifle. We'll call it a machine gun if he wants to. One baton, one asp, or what he describes as an asp, because he's an idiot. uh, One uh, set of handcuffs, one flashlight. Son loves the helicopter. I confiscated the rest. Why are these included? That's what he tweeted. Why are police tools included in a police officer toy set. What would you prefer that the officer stick in his holster? Flowers? Should they have included a bouquet of flowers? Should they have included a water bottle? What what exactly do do you think that police officers use when they go out there to confront criminals who are terrorizing and harming innocent people? should they should he be armed with a book of polite phrases things like hey would you please stop shooting and hey mr burglar would you please come out of that house and burgle no more is that what is that what they should he should be armed with the second tweet and subsequent tweets break down each of the individuals again the little probably i don't know three quarter of an inch long little uh, handguns that the police officer carries in his little toy set He writes, approximately 2,900 people have been shot dead by police in America since Michael Brown's killing in 2014. What that means and has to do with anything, I don't know. That's the job of police, to shoot bad guys when bad guys are shooting innocent people. That's right. That's their job. Next tweet, an asp is a retractable metal baton used to subdue people with brute force. And he shows the picture of what he calls the asp. What he doesn't realize, because he's an idiot... Is it's an antenna for the police car? <laughs> but he sees he, he sees an antenna, and in his mind sees ASP. Then the nightstick. After Rodney King's horrific assault, the baton became a symbol of law enforcement abuse. It has been its use has been has declined dramatically. In 1990, it was used 741 times by LAPD. By 2015, that number declined to 54. Still necessary for these toys, though. Someone must need a beating, I guess. Yes, you. And not with a toy-sized version. Somebody needs to knock some sense into you. I say that figuratively, of course. This image, the next tweet says, the gas mask. The anonymous officer, in light of what we've seen in violent suppression of peaceful protest historically, and what we're hearing and seeing now at the border with CBP agents hurling poisonous gas at unarmed women and children seeking asylum. This is too much. We can't include a gas mask in our toys. And then handcuff and flashlight. Those can't be there either. I mean, it's this beta male mindset that these pansy, little, whiny, triggered liberal toads, uh, it's just too much. All I know is if he's getting rid and he confiscated the uh, extra pieces to the soy set, set, I'll tweet you my address, Scott. You send them to me or actually send them to the radio station because uh, I could absolutely use those. I'll give them to my neighbor's kids who has the police officer and probably wouldn't mind helping him to load extra heavy. We'll be back after the news. what.com <laughs> All right, 936 now, the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, David Ray with the report live from the border. He is down there in the San Diego-Tijuana border, outside the San uh, Ysidro Port of Entry, and he will give us a live report. He and his colleagues at FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, uh, they have been there for two days, and he's going to give us a live report on what he has seen and what he has learned in talking to Border Patrol agents, as well as uh, monitoring and observing the caravan on the other side. So David Ray will be coming up at about 10.05. That has prompted a move of our guest and friend, Ryan Morrow, to a little bit earlier than his normal Wednesday time spot. He's been kind enough to join us now. Ryan Morrow on AM 1420, the Answer National Security Analyst for the Clarion Project and also the Chairman of the Clarion Intelligence Network. Ryan, good to have you back, sir. How are you?
3: I'm doing well.
1: Ryan, yesterday you made me aware of something that kind of blew my mind, and I had to read it to try to understand it, and I was glad that I did. Uh, But you're going to have to explain this to our listeners, talking about a strange and, dare I say, unholy alliance between uh, a couple of groups that I wouldn't have connected to one another. Louis Farrakhan's Nation of Islam. That's the Nation of Islam, not Islam writ large. This is Louis Farrakhan's version of it. Uh, and the Church of Scientology, Elbron Hubbard's Hubbard's um, cult, which uh, fleeces people out of their money and uses a lot of big-name celebrities to do it. Um, tell me about this, uh, this, this alliance or this partnership or whatever, this shared ideology apparently between the two.
3: Yeah, the, yeah this is a really weird one to talk about. Um, so everyone kind of understands that Scientology is a weird cult, um, but they're kind of unto themselves. Like, they are abusive towards their own members, um, but you don't really put it in the same circle as radical Islamic forces. Um, but what my colleague at Clarion Project, um, Alex Van Ness, and I did when we wrote this article, is we looked into this connection between Nation of Islam, a very, very, very radical sect within the radical Islamic world, and... Scientology, and it, it, at first it really makes sense because the celebrities, the advocates for Scientology, uh, are so into um, saying that they are the righteous ones that stand against any type of hatred, basically everything that Louis Farrakhan represents. But what we found is that the relationship goes back to the late 1990s, and it, it's almost a fusion, an ideological fusion. Like, in the future, what you're going to be dealing with is essentially... A nation of Islam, that's like the Islamic version of Scientology. So uh, the Scientologists do something called auditing, uh, where they basically ask you a bunch of questions, and they say it's therapeutic, uh, but they record the whole thing, and then they use that to blackmail you. Well, they've trained Nation of Islam on how to do this. So Nation of Islam has over a 1,000 of these auditors, as they call them. And they have another 9,000 members of the Nation of Islam have taken seminars in what Scientologists call Dianetics, which is basically part of the ideology. And then Farrakhan gets a commission on all of that, reportedly. Um, To give you an idea of just how much praise Scientology is putting, specifically towards Farrakhan, uh, the awards uh, that they've given him and another member of the Nation of Islam Is the same award they give to Tom Cruise. So this is now dangerous. Scientology has gone from something that just endangers its own members and those that want to leave to now being in the same realm as radical Islam.
1: Uh, Ryan Moore is our guest, the uh, chairman of the uh, Clarion Intelligence Network. Um, Ryan, when we think about the Nation of Islam, let's talk about how dangerous they are. Um, you know, a long history, as you point out in your article, of anti-Semitism, uh, 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 extremism, their Holocaust deniers, and more. How da- how dangerous are they as a as you know as a single entity? And then how much more dangerous do you think they can be if they were to have the backing of something as strong? And I don't even know, by the way, how large the Church of Scientology is. I don't know how far widespread it is, how many uh, churchgoers or or members or whatever you want to call it of this cult in, in the 50 states. But but, can you speak to the danger of of the uh, Nation of Islam and, and how much more dangerous they can be if they have the backing of a church? If, well, not if, since they appear to have the backing of this church.
3: Sure. Well, uh, I'm not aware of the membership size of the Church of Scientology. I assume it's much smaller than they uh, put forth, but it's still large enough that you have this hit show on um, A&E about it, and the amount of money and the infrastructure that they have is just uh, amazing. And, And the senior Nation of Islam official is actually acting now as a representative for Scientology in building a Scientology base in Ireland. So... It really is a total fusion, but to give you an idea of how radical nation of Islam is, uh, Farrakhan has praised most terrorist groups at some point. Uh, He was recently uh, at a Death to America event in Iran and sided with the Iranian uh, regime against us. The anti-Semitism is just unbelievable, where they say uh, child molestation, uh, drugs, every, every single problem of society is a Jewish conspiracy. Um, personally, uh, the the thing that scared me the most is when there are times of racial tension, uh nation of Islam not just preaches that America is going to be destroyed and that's a good thing, uh, but I've seen videos of Farrakhan saying to teach your kids how to throw Molotov cocktails at police. And somehow, they still have non-profit status. Wow. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So there's a lot of attention on Scientology right now, for their criminal practices and saying, well, how do they get nonprofit status? Well, how does Nation of Islam get nonprofit status? It, that's a privileged position. It's not. That's not, in my opinion, your normal protected free speech. You can legally, I guess, say most of those things. I guess there's an argument that you can't. Um, but still, uh, when you're a nonprofit st- status like that, that's a privilege. You're not guaranteed that.
1: Yeah, uh, Ryan Morris, our guest, a national security analyst and Schilman fellow at uh, the Clarion Project. Um, you know, free speech is, of course, practiced and. Uh, and sometimes censored or or approved in a lot of different ways, other than the original meaning of the First Amendment—that that you can't be jailed for for saying something or, or or uh, expressing something—and that includes social media. As you know, Twitter, for its part, continues to ban and block conservatives who say nothing more dangerous than "we don't like liberals" or "we don't like liberalism" or condemning or embarrassing or criticizing uh, uh, things of the political left, and yet. Louis Farrakhan, and you just talked about the, uh, you know, the teaching kids how to throw Molotov cocktails at cops, you know, he, he just was on Twitter, literally, uh, what, a month ago, uh, describing Jews as termites, declared that, Jew- I can't remember the exact phrasing, but he essentially said that Jews are like termites. Um, it doesn't get much more hateful than that. And yet he enjoys protected blue check mark status on Twitter so that he can spread that kind of hatred everywhere, which of course the concern to me is that he has the ability to influence other people, other nut jobs either like him or who don't realize how much like him they are until they read his views and then decide, you know, they're going to follow along and they're going to uh, join up. So you take. You know, you take the influence of social media with people like Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam and Scientology. My fear is whatever that number is, however many Scientologists are in the United States, um, that number is going to grow, and uh, and their influence is going to grow when they team up with hate-filled individuals like Farrakhan.
3: Right. I I still kind of think Scientology might be decreasing, but when you put the when you fuse it with nation of Islam, then it certainly has room to grow, because uh, you're going to take something that has greater support and greater legitimacy as a religion, and you're going to tie it to this really wacky cult of Scientology that that it's so hard to believe that anyone believes in it, but the small number that do are extremely powerful. And Alex, my co-author on this article, pointed out to me uh, that apparently the head of Twitter attended a Scientology event. He's linked up with these guys. So no wonder
1: Starcon gets away with this. Ryan, I want to shift gears, if I can, with you for a couple of minutes here about another uh, article that, that appeared in Clarion Project. It was last week, actually. or Take that back. It was actually this week, but it was about last week, uh, and it, it just ran yesterday, uh, when the federal judge dismissed FGM, that's female genital mutilation charges against the Michigan doctor that you and I have discussed a couple of different times in the previous few months, uh, on a legal loophole. People are outraged, uh, and rightfully so. Can you shed any more? I know you didn't write this particular article, but you have been all over this. Can you shed any more light on what that judge said and what that means uh, with respect to protecting women from this brutal, horrific, torturous, uh, what it says? It's in the word, mutilation. It's in FGM uh, under uh, Sharia law.
3: Sure. Well, it was characterized as a religious or cultural ritual. Um, now, the entire decision of the judge might be related to evidence that the judge felt uh Needed needed more of, but uh, FGM in and of itself was characterized as uh, not being a crime. So, so the issue would have to be, well, what was done that is being described as FGM, um, and on that basis, uh, those charges were dropped. Uh, but according to Really, the other people being arrested and just publicly known information, uh, there were other people besides the doctor involved in this, and the doctor was on the board of a mosque. So he wasn't, as some of the media accounts seem to imply, uh, just a, a really weird doctor living in isolation that bad people went to so that their kids could be abused. He um, it, it was actually somewhat of an authority figure, well-connected in the community, uh, well-known in the community, um, rather than just being in some isolated place. And so I find that to be really disturbing. Um, and we don't know how many people, how many kids uh, have been damaged by this. Uh, I mean, the number could be astronomical because it was an actual system. It wasn't just Uh, A a here-or-there thing, Uh, that that there was an actual system of references and and the doctor um, did this essentially as part of his practice.
1: Does the dismissal of these charges, Ryan, put more kids in danger? And the reason I ask that is, you know, it it, it would just stand to reason that if practitioners of this brutal, savage um, ritual of theirs... Um, if, if it's deemed to not be criminal by, by the dismissal of these charges, they're going to go on and continue to do this without fear. If there had been a conviction here, if these charges were allowed to stand and he would have been convicted, I don't know if that would have stopped them from do, from carrying this out, other individuals, but at least it might have given them pause if they see this guy in prison for mutilating, you know, young, young women, young girls. Um, so do, do you think that this dismiss, how much harm do you think this dismissal of charges is going to cause to more of these girls?
3: Oh, I think it's awful, because now it sends the message um, that not only does the American criminal justice system not take FGM seriously enough, even if it does, um, because obviously whoever practices it isn't going to call it FGM. Um, they're just going to say it's a religious ritual. Um, so at that point you have to show evidence of what happened and who, who did that. Um, And so if the message is sent that you can do this and get away with it, because even if it's known you did it, there isn't enough evidence to actually prosecute and convict you, Um, and and therefore it's a relatively safe crime to do, uh, then that certainly emboldens those that are inclined to do the practice. Whereas on the other hand, if you start successfully locking these people up and they go to jail, even amongst many extremists, uh, it'll make them think twice about it because even many extremists want to live their lives. They don't want to go to jail. And when people don't want to go to jail for something, they get encouraged to interpret their beliefs in a different way so that they can justify not doing that crime. Um, So so you're actually supporting um, more modern interpretations of the faith when you put pressure there on people to interpret it in a peaceful, non-human rights-abusing way.
1: Ryan, do you know or have an approximation of how widespread this is around the world, uh, especially in uh, Muslim-majority countries?
3: I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but you're talking about a massive percentage where it's not, uh, especially in places in uh, Africa, like in Egypt, and it also goes on in India a lot, um, and it's so prevalent um, because it's a pre-Islamic practice that then was adopted into Islamic practice and became religious doctrine, it's so prevalent that even the non-Islamic communities practice it, because it's just what you do. And now there is a lot of pushback against it uh, that's really nice to see uh, coming out of the Muslim world. Um, You you hear here and there, you hear about these activists that are standing up um, against it. Um, So things are changing, uh, but definitely not changing quickly enough, because you are talking about tens of millions of girls being abused by this, and then how many more people have their minds twisted as a result of the practice being done to them or living in a society that says that that's okay, and that that leads to a chain reaction of events um, beyond the immediate act. I mean, you grew up in a society that says that's okay, uh, you're definitely going to end up being more radical and you're just going to end up just more accepting of brutality later in your life.
1: Ryan, you don't usually get overtly political, so you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. You just do the work on the, you know, on, on national security and Islamic threats and so on and so forth. But I'm just gonna ask you, are you surprised that more non Muslim women aren 't standing up against this and condemning this barbaric practice and what I mean is they have these women 's marches they have these uh, me too uh, groups you know they 're all looking out for the rights of women, the sexual liberty of women obviously um, and and this is about the most barbaric intrusive destructive thing that you can do to a woman in that regard and i haven 't heard squat where you know i i haven 't heard from the uh, you know from the um, uh, Ashley Judds and the, uh, Alyssa, Alyssa, uh, Milanos and, and, and all of the others in the world who organize these, uh, these marches. What about Linda Sarsour, who by the way is a Muslim, of course? I, she's one of, she's tied in with all of these women on their women's marches and so on. I, are you surprised that there isn't more defense of women, young women, young Muslim women who are being butchered, uh, because of this r- ridiculous, uh, Sharia compliant practice?
3: I actually am, and I have low expectations of our leaders in the culture and politics to take on issues that are at all Islamic in nature or controversial. But I'm surprised because when our documentary Honor Diaries came out, there actually was a lot of support for doing something against FGM and the abuse of women in the Muslim world. Uh, There were hundreds of college campus screenings. Uh, We were talking to people with uh, NOW, the National Organization of Women. Um, Some of their chapters were holding screenings. Uh, There were a lot of things that haven't been publicized where these organizations were aware of it and were talking about various measures, and I'm not sure what's public and what isn't, so I won't go into detail about it. Um, But but there was that movement. There was that moment.
2: Uh,
3: And and then it just didn't materialize. It kind of went away. Um, if there was a way that the spotlight was still on it for a little bit longer, maybe it would have been different. Maybe there would have been a substantive action that would have rallied people behind it. Um, but how it's not a component of, say, the Women's March, how is it that with this case of the doctor, there aren't protesters coming out and there aren't, uh, there isn't some type of backlash, uh, right. really blows my mind. In fairness, Linda Sarsour does say she opposes FGM, but then she has all sorts of other problems.
1: Yeah, well, no, no doubt about it, including credibility problems with her. But we'll, uh, we won't go there right now. Uh, Ryan Morrow, national security analyst, Shillman fellow at the Clarion Project, and the director of the Clarion, or excuse me, the chairman of the uh, Clarion Intelligence Network. Ryan, thank you so much, and I appreciate you coming on early today.
3: All right, thanks so much.
1: You got it. It's nine fifty-three. We're going to check our traffic. Come right back. Maybe squeeze a call in or two before the top of the hour on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I would love to get some of your responses on Twitter in this uh, program to the story that I did uh, before uh, before Ryan Morrow came on. The beta male uh, defense attorney who, uh, pathetic excuse for a father, doesn't want his kid to have the toy policeman set because it comes with toy weapons that police officers <laughs> use to do their jobs. Um, it, it's really hilarious. Thanks, and a hat tip to my friend John Cardillo, host of uh, uh, um, uh, America uh, Talk America Live on uh, Newsmax. America talks live rather on newsmax uh, he 's the one who first uh, sent this my way. absolutely ridiculous and hysterical and a symbol of what, what is a symptom rather of what is wrong uh, with the next generation these kids i mean this this dad is triggered and and outraged that a toy police officer set includes toy police officer tools like guns and batons and handcuffs and flashlights. He's actually offended by that, and he thinks it's a bad example for his kid. So he let the kid keep the policeman and the helicopter, but he confiscated all the policeman's tools. Apparently, he's going to tell his kid to teach his toy policeman when he plays good guys and bad guys, cops and robbers, the way we all used to do. He's going to tell them, no guns. You just ask him politely to stop shooting at you. Ask the bad guy politely to to get in the car. No need for handcuffs. Just sit there and please don't touch anything. Absolutely hilarious. If you're on Twitter, I tweeted this story out, uh, or this series of tweets out. Please uh, follow me there at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. And uh, give me your best responses there. I'll read them as the program goes on. Coming up on 10 o'clock, after the top of the hour news, which is now, we are going to talk to David Ray. We're going down south to the border. The San Diego-Tijuana border, to be precise, the San Ysidro port of entry. That is where David Ray from the Federation of American Immigration Reform is right now. He'll give us a live report coming up on AM fourteen twenty. The end.